Craft Beer Radio, episode 78, June 7, 2007. Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I am Greg Weiss. This is Jeff Bear, And we are doing Belgian doubles today. We are continuing our flight along the Belgian pathway. Landscape of Landscape. Belgian beers. It's good. This is the double. This is, um, well, I think it's. I think this is a great style to bring people into beer with. To bring people into, like, particularly Belgian beers. Um, because it, it's a very accessible style and it's also a very complex style. Complex. It's yeah. It's it's a nice. What should we say about it? I don't know. Let's. <laughs> well, let's we'll just pour one and then talk about it. Uh, the first one we're going to be pouring is the Korsendonk. Korsendonk is a Belgian uh, brand. Of this has Abbey the name style beers according to their. <laughs> yes. This has the name Abbey Brown Ale. When I was doing research, it seemed to fall under the double category, so we included it in our tasting tonight. Uh, the brand name refers to the Priory of Korsendonk in Oud Turnhout, which was founded in 1398 until it was closed in 1784, had significant brewery and malt house. In 1982, the Korsendonk brand was introduced by the Kier's Makers firm in Oud Turnhout. It is 7.5%. The color is a really, really, really dark brown. It's got about a finger's worth of head on it. It's got maybe a little bit of brown highlights. Brown highlights on a brown beer. It's, it's interesting like that. Uh, you can. It actually looks kind of clear. If it wasn't so dark, you could see through it. But it's, it's very dark. dark. It's hard to see through. And a really nutty kind of malty presence coming off of it. Yeah, I'm getting a, a sweet malt. Very sweet. A little bit. There typically is Belgian candy sugar used in doubles. So you're getting some of that sweetness off of that as well. Great malt aroma on it. Okay, on the first sip, I mean, for me, I think it's a little bit too cold right now. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it kind of, the only thing that's hitting you right now is the sweetness, particularly because it's cold. I think that sweetness really comes through on a cold beer and other stuff doesn't. So we'll warm this up and let's talk about an email or two. Well, let's talk about the style first. Oh, we should. So the Belgian style double, it originated in monasteries in the Middle Ages and it was revived in the mid-1800s after the Napoleonic era. It's a medium to full-bodied dark amber to brown-colored ale that has malty sweetness and nutty chocolate malt aroma. That was right on the nuts, huh? Yeah, I suppose you were. I wasn't picking them up, but after warmers, I might. Flavor and aroma may also have a raisin-like cocoa character. Faint hop aroma is acceptable, characterized by a low bitterness and no hop flavor. Very small quantities of diacetyl are acceptable. Uh, Yeast character, especially banana, are appropriate at low levels. Head retention is dense and mousse-like. The uh, six to seven and a half is the alcohol range on typical Belgian double. Bitterness is very low, eighteen to twenty-five IBUs. Uh, we're drinking these out of goblets. Uh, that tends to be the traditional drinking, uh, drinking item. Drinking get your vessel. You can get your whole face down in this beer and, and take an aroma with mouth on this thing so wide. You definitely can, and we're drinking these out out of Bornum, uh, Bornum goblets, which we will be drinking a Bornum double soon. So it makes sense. It also makes it very easy to warm the beer up. Yep. Put your hands on it and uh, get, get the beer pretty warm. Now, these are, like we said, has Belgian candy sugar in them, Belgian yeast. Uh, so that will uh, that will give it a little bit higher alcohol, 
some esters and, and phenols are a little bit different from regular strands of yeast. Brewed with soft water, typically. Munich-style malts and maltiness. Special beef for raisin flavors. Care Munich for dried fruit flavors. Other specialty grains for character. Dark candy sugar for color and rum raisin flavors. Noble or English type or Styrian golden hops commonly used. No spices. Definitely. It's getting a little bit um, more palate and getting more more of a flavor out of it. A little bit uh, kind of a cherry-esque flavor. Um a little bit of raisin, but it, it mostly seems more towards cherry than raisin, actually. I'm getting a bit of cocoa. Mm-hmm. I'm not really getting anything tart like cherry. Not really pulling out the raisin flavor, either. It's this multi, slightly cocoa-type flavor that I'm tasting mostly. There's a little bit of bitterness at the back, but <clears throat> just barely. Right. I find doubles are one of the best food-pairing uh, beers out there. I mean, a good burger and a double are... It, it's an amazing combination. Yeah, ground beef does go well with it. it what, you know, even if it's like... Cause like they, I had a at Sharp Edge over here, the, the Belgian place, they have some great burgers, and they have like a lamb burger. Mm-hmm. It's half lamb, half half uh, ground beef, and it's covered with a smoked Gouda. Oh, okay. And with the with a double, it's, I mean, it, it's out of this world. I bet. It, they also have a nice bit of carbonation, which helps. Doubles generally do, and that kind of helps get um, the fat off your tongue in between and right. breaks through uh, the the burger and all that fat really well. So, it's so it has scrubbing bubbles, and it is flavorful. Right. Nice. I was at the Sharp Edge before the, the day before the, the Pen Fest this weekend, and I ordered that on the appetizer page. They had that boredom double salmon pizza, and that is one of the best pieces of food ever. Just so good. I mean, I've seen reviews of the Sharpage who say they have bad food. I have no idea where that comes from. I love the Sharpage. Their food's a lot better than it used to be. It's really, it's really kicked it up a notch. Oh, okay. So maybe the reviews are a little bit dated, what people's memories are. Mm. One thing I also have noticed, um, not about the Sharpage in particular, but about I've seen some more places open up around Pittsburgh with good beer selections. Yeah. Jerome Bettis' place is opening up with... 36, uh, 36 ounce steaks, number 36, right? 36 ounce steaks, 36 types of martinis, 36 types of vodka, and 36 beers. Right, that's what Heather said, 36 beers. But is it good beer? Or is it Bud, Bud Ice, I gotta Bud Dry, think that, Bud Light? I gotta think you're gonna have 10 shitty beers and you're gonna have about 26 good okay. beers. We'll have to check it out once uh, you know, yeah. the crowds die down. There's some new places open up on the south side, and every place opens on the south side has good beers. Pretty Even much. in some crappy places like Jack's, you can get. Great Lakes. There's a um, new brew pub opening up in Monroeville mm-hmm. called uh, the Rivertown Brew Pub or something like that. The guys from the Rivertown Grill, remember we went to Vernon for the Is? Yep. They're opening up a brew pub in Monroeville. Uh, Andrew Maxwell, the guy who used to work at John Harvard, is going to be the brewer there. Uh, Voodoo Brewing up in Meadville is going to be opening up soon. They call themselves uh, Artisanal Ales with Attitude or something like that. <laughs> I'm not, don't quote me on that one. It's something along those lines. They have big, robust beers. And uh, so that sounds interesting. I mean, I, I love to see it. I love to see great beers. Yeah, but although it is more competition for Scott now. Yep. But that just means, I mean, hey, he's the only one who has the courage to make a bread beer. Absolutely. Huge, huge, you know, popular beer at the Beer Fest. Poured a lot of kvass. However, it wasn't as popular as the uh, cask-conditioned uh, black strap Which style. I didn't get a chance to try. Oh, man. It's so, so oh, creamy well. on cask. It's oh, well. delicious. 
So you want the email, do you? Well, let's see. We got an email on our Belgian Blonde show. We got a couple. They're a little bit critical of it, and probably with good reason. Norm wrote in to say, hey, guys, I don't understand why you didn't find the appropriate BJCP category for these beers. The BJCP category for Leffe and other lighter Belgian Goldens is a Belgian Blonde Ale category 18A. And, and the Duvel is a classic example of the Belgian Strong Golden category 18D. He says you made mention of a triple several times. The Belgian Strong Golden is very like a triple and easily confused. And we did say, hey, triple, triple. Uh, the Duvel and Delirium Tremens, he says, are both strong goldens and are intended to be more complex sippers, while the Afflegum and Leffa are intended to be more quaffable, easy drinkers. And I think that's pretty much how we split them up. So, yeah, we, we, we probably messed up a bit on that show. Norm concludes that depending on what you were looking for in these beers, you could have easily have ranked the two strongs over the blondes. I definitely agree with you, Norm. Uh, Tom, Tom Schwillen also made a, a comment that uh, basically said the exact same thing, that uh, Affligam and Leffa are BJCP 18, and Valerian Tremens uh, and Duvel are BJCP 18D. So there's Category 16, Belgian and French Ale. And inside there they have a Belgian Pale Ale and Belgian Specialty Ale. And at the time I seemed like there's not very many styles there, but it was confusing me. Style 18 is Belgian Strong Ale, and under there is Belgian Blonde, Belgian Double, Belgian Triple... Belgian Golden Strong Ale and Belgian Dark Strong Ale. So I was kind of curious why Category 16 didn't have more styles of Belgian. So I was trying to fit everything either into Belgian Pale Ale or Belgian Specialty Ale. I see. So that was my mistake. Well, uh, as we said, Tom Schwindlin wrote in. <clears throat> Tom Schwindlin wrote in and said uh, basically the same thing. Belgian Blondes and Belgian Golden Ales, you know, it's really messed up. Sorry, guys. We're, we we will endeavor not to do that again. Is quadruple on this list? I don't see it. Strong that, dark. Yeah. Strong dark. Yeah, probably. Uh, he also said for me, Belgian blondes. Greg, Belgian blondes do contain candy sugar, and if the addition of candy sugar makes a beer sweeter, then the brewer is doing something wrong. The purpose of sugar is to increase the fermentability of the wort, so the beer should end up drier, not sweeter or fuller bodied. Very good point. Note. Uh, I guess, you know, like we said, the yeast in Belgian beers tends to be a bit stronger, tends to ferment out a little bit more alcohol, and you probably need some of that extra sugar to keep it going. Right. Sugars don't leave any body in the beer once they're fermented. So, like Tom said, if the yeast don't ferment the sugar, it'll probably be cloyingly sweet and, and taste unfinished. Um, so, if we probably misspoke a little bit with the sweetness we were talking about. Um, and it's probably a malty sweetness combined with the, the fermented sugar taste, and maybe that's where we were getting confused. Probably. Uh, Tom had Tom also wanted to say that he wasn't sure what our secret beer is from that episode, but the, the one that we did on the post-show, but he really hopes it's Bilk! Bilk! And it was. So he had a little bit of uh, premonition there. And then as a follow-up, we had Greg from New Zealand write in. He was listening to uh, the show while driving to Auckland for the weekend. And when the Bilk exclamation started, Bilk. both his wife and he ended up with tears in their eyes from laughing so hard. Hazardous to say the least, but hilarious. We were laughing very hard, too. We're, we're, we're happy that at least some of the humor translated because we were also kind of, you know, we had drinking a couple beers, so that, that added to the humor for us. Yeah, Bilk was fun. It's such an absurd beer. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an absurd beer in all in, in all senses of the word. 
I hope to try it again sometime. We have another one. So we do. Well, here's an excellent. I don't know time. how long it'll last. Well, here's here's what we're gonna do. Listener Jeff from Australia, when we met on the South Side last year, last winter, he wants to send us some more beers. He kind of said, you know, do another Oceanic show or something like that. Or, And I'm like, well, where are we going to get these beers? And then the idea hit me. Let's li- ask our international listeners to send us some of their local beers that we can't get here in America. If you feel like it. it it'll be their chance to have us talk about a beer that they can get and mm-hmm. taste and know what it tastes like. It'll uh, probably make them feel good that the, our core listeners in the United States won't be able to get these beers <laughs> and turn the tables a little bit. Except for us. It'll be our chance to be like, ha-ha, we can get great beers because we have great <laughs> listeners. Right, right. But So that's what we're going to do. If you're interested in sending some beers uh, from, from your neck of the woods out there, you know, something that we can't get here easily in the States or in Pennsylvania, go ahead and, and send them in. I don't want any American brewers for this. No American beers. I want everything imported. Well, no, we still want American beers, but we don't want... Not for this one. No, but, I mean, we still want to get American beers, but we also want to get foreign beers as well. But for this show, I want to do Yes, for this show. I, I just don't want to discourage other people from sending No, them. no. We want all the American <laughs> beers we can get other days. But for the the beers of the world, beers around the world show... Well, what you mean, I think, is you don't want any beer you can get in America. Right. I don't want a beer that... Is I mean, easily like a beer available. That, that's imported into America. We don't want that. We want a beer that's only available. Good point. Yes. Yes. So if you have a beer that's not imported to the states, you feel generous enough to send it our way. It's just so you can feel a little bit of pride and turn the tables on all us lucky Americans to drink all this beer that we talk about. Uh, send me an email and uh, Jeff at craftbeerradio dot com. I'll get you the directions and uh, you can uh, pair your beers along with the ones that. Uh, that Jeff's going to be sending in. Jeff is sending in some beers made with a new New Zealand hops yeah. called um, Dang It. <laughs> called Dang It Hops. Dang It Hops. Well, Jeff doesn't know the hop name, but he'll Nelson come, it, Nelson Savio, Savon or something like that. It'll it'll come. To, the full the definite name will come to him. I'm sure after the show's done. Yeah, it's Nelson Savon or something like that. I don't know. Our next beer that was the. Coors and Donk Belgian double. Or rather, they're Abbey Brown. Yes. Uh, our next beer is going to be the Chimay, I think. The Chimay. Next, we're drinking the Chimay. This is the Chimay Premier. They're, they're red, not their blue, which is their Grand Cru. Or they're white. Or they're white. Uh-oh. This one doesn't appear to have much in the way of carbonation. Well, it's not good when you take the cap off. It's sitting several feet from your head and you can smell a bit skunkiness oh really yeah this beer comes in this uh short little squat bottle it's probably more or less 12 ounces doesn't say on it that i can see it's almost, almost 11.2 ounces it's almost woody it's got kind of a a reddish brown color yeah it's skunked yeah there's kind of a woodiness that skunk it doesn't smell like directly skunky but yeah. it certainly doesn't smell fresh. So last time, you know, when we were plagued with skunk beers, we found out if we let it air out a bit, we didn't notice it as much. So let's sit the beer down for a second and uh, do some more emails. Well, let's talk about the Chimay Red. There's a whole bunch okay. of stuff here about the Chimay Red. Uh, talking about the reason why monks brew beer, which is essentially... In order to understand the reason why monks brew beer, we need to invite you to marketing speak, marketing speak, marketing speak. <laughs> 
because the monks really don't make the beer Chimay. The brewery is on the Abbey's premises, but they have commercial brewers who oh, make really? the beer, yes. I didn't know that. But it's still considered a Trappist. It is, because it's on the. It's owned by the monks. They don't physically have to stir the mash or anything. So, so why you may ask yourself, okay, why do why do monks brew beer? That that, that seems a little off, right? Religious is supposed to be against beer. Well, not really. I mean, if you look back in, uh, you know, as as far back as two hundred, three hundred years ago, I mean, like I said, beer was everywhere, and beer was being produced by everybody. It's only in recent times that it, it turned into this kind of negative thing. And I suppose it's not necessarily true because in some areas, um, they would. They would consider at least imbibation by alcohol. It, 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 being drunk is being very poor. Right. But uh, at the same time, I mean, this is how these monks made money. They, they made – this is how they, they made money that they, by selling beer, particularly today. That's mm-hmm. how Trappist uh, monks make keep, make their money to stay around is by selling They, they donate beer. a lot of money to charities and the rest is just to, to sustain themselves. They're celibate too, which is like – I mean, if you're going to do that, you better have some other great things in your life. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I've heard stories that, you know, the monks made beer to help sustain themselves when they're fasting as well. Like during Lent, the only thing they would drink would be beer to get all their nutrients or something like that. I don't know all the details, but... This kind of character is there, and it makes it really hard to judge, even though it's not totally prevalent. It It just makes it hard to judge, and so I wouldn't feel right... Judging this beer, you know, I was really hoping to to try this beer, it'd be good, and me like it. Because to be honest, there's this house flavor that I associate with Chimay that I just don't care for. Really, I'm not. I actually like Chimay. I think when we last did a Belgian show, I we did a Trappist show, and, and mm-hmm. Chimay came out on top. I I really do like Chimay a lot. Um, yeah, but this one just it, it skunked, and it's just no good. So I'm going to pour this out because we can't we can't reliably test a beer like this. It wouldn't be fair to, to them, and it wouldn't be fair to you guys. So we'll move on. The third beer in our lineup is one of my uh, oh, yeah. personal favorites. The one that I recommend whenever uh, whenever I'm trying to get somebody into beer. I recommend they try this beer, particularly with food. This is the Bornum Double from Brewery Van Steenberg NV. I'm not sure what the NV stands for. In Belgium. It is a Living Abbey beer. I assume they say living because it's got live yeast in it. <laughs> I love all the marketing speak on these stuff. attacking me. Uh, with 8% alcohol by volume. haven't really tried other stuff from Bornum. I think I had their triple once. But that was before I was really into triples, so... Okay. Take from it what you will. Dark brown, again, with kind of brownish highlights. It's very similar looking to the Korsendonk. This is... Has got two fingers ahead worth it. Uh, yeah, this is poured the biggest head thus far. And now that's and, a roasty flavor. That's it looks more stout-like than the other beers, too. Check that out. Okay, that's interesting. I'm getting a lot more dark fruit raisin type aroma out of it. Not so much roast in my first aroma, but really? I have a thicker head than you do. I'm getting a lot of roast. I see where you're getting this from that dark uh, fruit, but I mean, for me, it's 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 roasty. Again, like kind of a really toasted malt aroma. Dark doubles are often served with meat dishes such as steaks, grilled meat, wild game, or even sausages. Portum Double also does 
the body and soul, a power of what? <laughs> what is this? Orlando double also does the body and soul a power of good after physical exertion. So after you exercise, pour yourself a boredom double. It picks you up. It's like Gatorade. Now, you told me you were out here doing your lawn, and you came in, like, you, you did your lawn. There's so much pollen out there. You're probably sweating profusely. So you had a lot of physical exertion. You're, you're out there. You're, like, your head's in the clouds. Right. Would you have wanted to come in and have a boredom double? I was sneezing. My eyes were so itchy yesterday that that's beside the point. I don't really have much of an urge to come in and drink a beer, even a lawnmower beer, after doing yard work. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of an ice water guy after yeah, I do exactly. yard work. So. I mean, I know people say lawnmower beer. I never really found a beer that fun for a lawnmower thing. I want yeah. I want some Gatorade. I want something to you know, reinvigorate me. And then... There, there are times where I like, where, you know, that hot weather does make a nice crisp Pilsner go down good. But after yard work... Unless I'm with some guys that are drinking as well, like I, I never run to the fridge and grab a beer. But this, this is this is interesting when compared to the Corsen Dunk. It's sweeter, but it's got more roasty flavor in the back end. Wow, that yeah, it has a lot of dark fruit slash that kind of porter, dark cherries, mm-hmm. and some of the roast that blends into that, which you get in some kind, you know, some wow, getting even more cherries now. It almost tastes like. Um, like Bell's Cherry Stout. Like like you get some cherries like the same kind of way, like that tart Michigan cherry type flavor. It, 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 I think it's a more complex flavor than Coors and Donk, but it's also not quite as smooth. Uh, so it's, to me right now, I mean, we, we, it's not quite time. It's definitely not time to rank, but I'm trying to, to, to formulate my rankings right now based on th- this flavor. How it really depends on what you're going for. Yeah, this beer is uber carbonated right now. So, as you can guess, if you listen to more than two craft beer radio shows, Greg's loving the carbonation, and I'm frantically trying to swirl it out of my beer. Exactly. Here's something we might have missed for um, some of our listeners might be like, double? Double what? What's this double? What's this triple? That's a good point. So, uh, a double means that the brewer uses twice as much malt as they do for a regular beer. It's a very nebulous and not specific definition. But it, it's just the guideline where you have the Belgian ale, then you have the double, which is more malty, and then you have the triple, which is triple the malt. But the thing is that a double is dark and a triple is light. Right. So that's just not explained just by the name alone. It, it's just the way the style has developed over time where doubles will use more roasted grains or dark candy sugars, things like that, to be a dark brown. Or triples are, are golden. They're you know, very light, so they'll not use the dark grains. They'll use uh, clear candy sugar and, and lighter grains. And you say, okay, well, maybe it's because if you roast it and then you put too much in, then it starts to get bad. But no, because you have quads, and quads... <laughs> quads are back to the dark yeah. side of the fence yeah. again. So, you, you know, you have the light beer, the dark beer, the light... They just like mixing you up, confusing you, those Belgian guys. I wonder if somebody's going to make a dark triple and a, and a uh, light double, or if that's already been done. It'd be hard to get the flavor components... That you expect out of those beers, you know, you want well, a lot. The of, only thing that you're that you're basing your double on is the amount of grain you use. Then that's where the name comes from. But there's right. other flavors implied with the style. Now the style's been defined, right? Yeah, you get a point. So you know, you expect these fruit flavors, these roast flavors from a double, and where the triple, which we'll be doing in a week or two, is a lot more clean and dry and. Has that um, you know, very high alcohol and 
I don't know. I can't really describe when I'm drinking doubles. I got all this great cherry flavor in my mm. mouth. This is really coming. To, I mean, t- I wasn't quite sure how how much I enjoyed this compared to the Coors and Donk at first. I don't know if you could tell that, but now it's really coming around. I mean, after a couple of sips, all that really nice fruit flavor is getting on. It's got... Oh, it's, it's, this is great. I'm getting more porter flavor now out of it. This last sip was a lot mm. more roasty. It tasted like a porter with Belgian yeast or something like that. <laughs> Mm, good stuff. So, uh, what beer are you? Well, last week, last week's clues, somewhere around here. There we are. I am an American double IPA. My brewery was investigated by the Alcohol Board of Control and shut down. I uh, am a beer made to commemorate this event. The answer is, of course, Lagunita's undercover shutdown ale. Yes, one very, very bitter beer. I mean, a couple of people agree with us on that one. Yeah. So we had a bunch of respondents this week. We got uh, Justin Dunlap from Paradise, California. Chris Washenberger, David from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who thought it was our 22nd anniversary. Thank you, David. A, we made a typo. <laughs> um, if we did it, if this is our 22nd anniversary, we've been doing it since I was eight. Nice. I don't know if that would be necessarily a good show or a legal show. Devin Ostendorf. And Dave from Sue Sporty, Vista, California. He uh, gave us a quote. I'm not sure if this is from the Lagunitas guys or what, but we brewed this especially bitter ale in remembrance of the 2005 St. Patrick's Day Massacre and in celebration of our 20-day suspension back in January of this year. Since it our 20-day suspension, I imagine, yeah, it was Lagunitas. Uh, Wayne slash Sue Sporty. Yeah, I guess they worked together or something like that. They didn't give us less so time. Sporty. Darren Collins. Brent Sheets from Battleground, Indiana. Chris Norick. Aaron Chamberlain from Brooklyn, New York. Peter from Seattle. Actually, a suburb of Seattle. And a suburb, I mean a shitty little town of strip malls and apartments, which I will go without mention to avoid embarrassment. Oh, well, plain old Tom Schmidlin from plain old Seattle. Uh, Dave Ross, Jeff from Australia. Welcome back, Jeff. Glad you're listening to the show again. Kira Barnes from New York. Bill Giacino from Alexandria, Virginia. Kevin Zabrowski. Kurt Wallinger from, oh man, not again. Ashwabnebidenin, Wisconsin. <laughs> and uh, Mark Jonas, who is our winner. Mark yes. Jonas. The random number picker picked the last number out of the oh, range. Okay. How about that? You didn't necessarily think it would work that way, but it did. Uh, you win a pint, pint glass, glass from East End, End Brewing Company. Company. Buy a good friend a good beer. So send me your address, and I, we will get that pint glass out to you. You ready for this week's What Beer Am I? Mm, yes. It's a doozy. I am an extremely hoppy barley wine, or a really hoppy big IPA. My name comes from a form of existence... Or experience. My brothers include a dog, a mythological creature, and a couple of flowers. What beer am I? What beer am I? If you have a guest this week, send your guest to WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. You'll be registered for this week's contest where you win another great pint glass from East End Brewing Company. Okay, so our next beer. beer... You still got beer in your glass, man. I'm still, I can drink it while you're opening up that thing, which is a caged, a 22 ounce Cajun cork bottle from Affligum. This is their Belgian double. Saw this at the store, and we were such big fans of their blonde. Mm-hmm. Last Belgian show we did. I'm like, let's see if they can repeat. Alcohol by volume of 7%. Um, 
Afflingham is located 20 kilometers west-northwest of Brussels. Oh, there we go. No big pop. I, I like Cajun cork bottles. They have a, a nice kind of look to them. And nice curvy. You open them up. They're curvy. Greg likes them curvy. Which reminds me, I took back the uh, the Anheuser-Busch home okay. right, the, from, from last week. And, you know, it, it, it kind of grew on me. I think... Good for you. I had, like, one or two, you know, more of it before it was pretty much gone. And it wasn't that bad. It really did kind of grow on me. I woke up the next day with it. <laughs> you drank it that night? Yeah. Oh. Well, how, well, what else was I going to do with it? Put it in the fridge. It last a day or two. I don't know, because when I opened it up... Mm-hmm. The, the the cat went pow. It, just, you know, it, was, it was one of those. It, it was a flip top. You know, it had the uh-huh. what was it the um, the vacuum pack seal like a, you know, like some of those bottles you can get like gross. Yeah, and it, it pow. It shot off to the ceiling. It broke it off the hinges. <laughs> yeah, it broke off the hinges. I I I mean, what what the hell? <laughs> How was there that much pressure built up in there? Don't know. Ooh, that has real brown sugar and cinnamon aroma to it, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> well, that's what is that? That's not like yeah, like apple cinnamon and like um, maybe a bit of ginger and uh, it's, it's like Christmassy. It, it is, and I mean there's all kinds in there. I thought I smelled tobacco for a second. <laughs> wow, what is that? I mean, is there, yeah, like like sugar cinnamon, like gingerbread cookies or something, and um, like hot apple cinnamon strudel or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got this. Is it's it's pouring brownish, more brown uh, than the other one, the other two. Uh, the the bottom was a lot darker. This one is a cloudy brown. That, that's fast. Okay, I gotta taste this. See what this tastes like. It tastes a lot like it smells. It's, <laughs> that's really different. It's caramelish, it tastes, you know. Yeah. It's 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 got kind of a caramel flavor to it. It's got um some like cinnamon notes to it, and a, a tad bit of ginger, but mostly more more caramel and cinnamon, and, and you know su- a little bit of sweet, but kind of a malty sweetness. Um, it, I, I'm, the thing I'm noticing right now is it has a particularly dry finish as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, very dry finish. N- not as much carbonation, and like you said, there's a little bit of apple there too. Oh, look at my email. We have two two new What Beer Am I's that you're on, uh, Randy Farmer and Jimmy Barlow. Congratulations. You're 20 minutes too late. Sorry, guys. Wow. <laughs> That's does fantastic. This like, does this taste like any beer that you can think of? I mean... No, but, I, but I'm loving it. I'm yeah. absolutely loving it. I don't know what... Does it fit with the Belgian style, though? With, with the double style? Because it's really different. Significantly that, different. It, it's tough. I mean, I think it still fits. It is drier. It, it does seem like it's spiced. I, I, you know, I'm sure that they're getting it all from the yeast. But man, I mean, I've had Christmas beers that aren't this spicy. Uh, brown ale has a malty sweetness and a nutty chocolate malt aroma, flavor and aroma. We also have raisin like cocoa character. I'd like a little more body in it. Yeah, that's the only thing that I'm. You know, I'd like to see different about this beer. I'd you like know. to see what they do with the quad. <laughs> yeah, that would probably have the body. <laughs> wow. That's, I'm I'm amazed because I've never had double like this, but this is you know, this is a caramel candy apple of a beer, and it's really good. It doesn't it's, it's, without being cloyingly sweet. Mm-hmm. It, it's got like a lot of those flavors to it. 
Devin from Arvada, Colorado wrote in, I love the show, but I have to take issue with your comments about Avery's Maharaja. In my opinion, it's one of the best Imperial IPAs I've ever tried. Do you really think he was, he was like that emphatic when he was writing the email? He's making it out to be like, man. <laughs> Tied with Dogfish Head's 90-minute IPA. How's that? Is that better? Yeah. Do yourselves a favor and try it again. When you're out here for the Great American Beer Fest, I suspect you can probably sample it fresh and on draft at Avery, though I've only had it in 22-ounce bottles available in many places in Denver metro area. Well, I answered Devin and said, you know, when I had it, I had it on draft, but it was the very end of the keg. I only got half a glass. Um, so I'll try it again. It is on tap, 3.1 miles from right here, Greg. So see Where? how you're feeling after the show. Mad Max. I may be able to. We'll see how we're feeling I don't afterwards. know. I, know. I, I have something to do later. Oh. But. Or we'll do, they seem to have a never-ending supply there. Somehow he has a pipeline from, oh, okay. from Denver to, to um So that's what that pipe is for. I've seen that. You've seen that pipe? <laughs> yeah, it's filled with the Maharaja. And they got the uh, the Reverend Quad on there right now. Yeah. And they have uh, a couple others in the cellar they've been putting on. So he has this Avery know, connection somehow. I know you guys are thinking, wow, a pipe from Denver to Pittsburgh that's got to be filled with a lot of beer. It's really thin. So it's like... <laughs> it's work. like the width of a human hair. Yeah. Uh, Brent56 uh, says, don't know why you guys have gone away from listing pre- and post-show beers, Jeff. <laughs> that was helpful when you were doing it. Anyway, the, uh, that was helpful when you were doing it. So, Jeff... Yeah, it, you know, I'll do it. I'll, I'll try. I'll make an effort. It's just, you know, it's a lot of work posting the whole show. And when I get to do the post show and the pre show, it's like click, upload, click, upload. Right. That's good enough. <laughs> so I just. Well, you can just put it on the main page. I did have an idea. And I was thinking, we'll set up a wiki where people can do the show notes for us. <laughs> make the job even easier. Actually, I, I mean, I think it would actually. It would be. I'd contribute to it definitely, and and other people probably would. CPR wiki. Maybe I'll set up a wiki. Because I was actually thinking last night. I was before I was getting to sleep. I was like, I was thinking about okay, if I'm going to design a database to list all our beers and all our shows and have it searchable, how would I design it? So I was I was picturing the design mm-hmm. of you know, yeah, your 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 beer manufacturer, your, your 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 brewer, your brewer ID. You have a beer beer ID, which then linked to the brewer ID, which should also then link to the shows it was featured in. Right. But see, the wonders of using a wiki is that we don't have to do the work. <laughs> I don't want to force our listeners to do all the work, and they already send us some great beers. I know, we just got to find a couple people, you know, OCD listeners who just can't let the things be wrong, and they'll go in there and fix it all up. <laughs> well, that means you got to start up and, and put the wiki up in the first place. I just started looking into it, so don't be surprised if you okay. see CBR Wiki soon. Also, pronunciation gate pronunciation gate return. <laughs> it's funny that I mess up pronunciation gate, isn't it? A little bit. Maybach is pronounced Maybach, not Maybach. Right. He, uh, I, I, I did misspeak because the beer we were drinking was a Maybach. But earlier in the day, I saw an American Maybach who called herself a Maybach. So I, my brain was thinking of that beer when I spouted mm. out the wrong pronunciation. I'm just making all kinds of mistakes now. I suck. Jeff, come on. Finally, now that you've returned from your Asian travels, we hope to hear from you on a more regular basis. Well, we hope to be here on a more regular basis, too. I mean, this is a, right one week after we did our last show. We're here again to do this show. We hope to continue to do that for at least the foreseeable future, or at least the next couple of months. Yep. I don't see any, any style, any break. In August, we have a, a something coming up. Yeah. But it'll it'll be cool. So And there'll, there'll be something for you guys involved in it, too. At least a show coming out of it. In case any of you guys know of Bayern Brewing in Montana, in case you're around it and are interested in it, and really like their Trout Slayer. 
They're renaming Trout Slayer. Yeah. Why were the uh, the fish huggers up in arms or something? Well, I think they didn't like... Uh, in the article, it says something about how they took the name of somebody else and they kind of paid for it a bit so they could have it for a while. Oh, okay. And then they said they didn't really like the idea of slaying Trout anyway because they don't, you know, they don't like just the image that it brings up. Right. So they said, Dancing Trout. Well, there you go. It's nice. Well, maybe it could be a trout catcher and still have the image of, you know, fishing. Because trout slayers have to be like, yeah, I'm a trout slayer. See, I'm not much of a trout fisherman. I'm not much of a trout fisherman. I didn't think they jumped out of the water when you were pulling in trout like bass do. But I could see a dancing trout be, you know, as you got it on the line, it's jumping out of the water. Yeah, okay. There you go. There's a lot of stuff in this article, so you can go ahead and read it if you want to. (laughs) Ho-hum. Oh, this is an article we forgot to put in last week. Ho-hum. Ontario boasts blandest beer on offer. Yeah. We got a, an email from a listener in Ontario who sent us this article a couple weeks ago. Um, per, no, not Chris. Some listener who remained nameless. <laughs> we, we love you. <laughs> Canadian listener. Really unnamed do. Canadian listener. And, and, and we feel for you, especially after reading this article, um, that, man, Ontario sucks for craft beer. They only let in one American beer per what is it per quarter and it has to be approved by a board and right now it's it's a lager and there's a seasonal slot for a US craft beer uh they won't allow double IPAs in they no one and there are brewers there who won't brew it cuz they just does everyone follows the lead of everybody else oh, okay i mean from what i read from maybe not the article but what the listener sent in was that like it's hard to find unibrew there which yeah. is brewed like next Province over. <laughs> Poor Ontario. That's, I mean, yeah, that, that's like, well, you know, I can see it in the sense like you're, we're in Pennsylvania, there are some beers we can't get that are available in Ohio. But we also get a great selection of great beers anyway, so that's okay. It's not ideal, but it's okay. Right. Well, I mean, they have a story here about um, the provincially licensed beer store, which is operated by Molson Canada Labatt Breweries in Canada and Sleeman Breweries, has limited shelf space for for craft beer and charges a $50,000 listing fee per brand of beer that it stocks. What? Whoa. It's 50,000 Canadian, but it's still... It's not as bad as you know. I, mean, I, I say that, and when I realize that the, the, the Canadian American. climber is do, the Canadian dollar is climbing on the, on the U.S. dollar by the minute. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the same joke it used to be. No, it kind of makes us weep now. Man, you Canadians, your dollar is worth about a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it it sounds like Ontario people are. Not necessarily in, in the best mood when it comes to beer. I seem to remember we were talking about a year ago about some Ontario beer tour or something. I just Googled for it. And uh, Google didn't come up with anything. Uh, it was like this whole co- coalition of Ontario breweries. And, and a lot of them seemed like lager breweries, but it really didn't seem like it was a horrible place. But this article tells a diff- paints a different story, doesn't it? Yeah. Brent uh, Dills. We, we were about to get to his mail before. Now we'll get to it. He says he noticed that Samuel Smith's available at Trader Joe's here in Indianapolis are packaged in brown bottles. We talked about that last week, about how Samuel Smith is uh, switching from clear bottles to brown bottles. And I haven't seen them yet yeah, here, but I think that's great because it, it, may, it sure improves their beer. 
putting it in brown bottles. I mean, all this Chimay was still skunked, but at least you have a less lesser chance of the brown bottle being skunked than you do with a clear bottle. Absolutely. He uh, goes on about Trader Joe's a little bit more, talking about how they have uh, private label beer. And I've heard about this, where they have these great beers that are contract brewed by other brewers that are you know really cheap at times. And he um, he mentions about the contract beers are brewed by Gordon Biersch. I think they have other people brewing label uh, Trader Joe beer as well. But he says they have a uh, Vienna Lager, Bohemian Lager, Vienna Lager, Bohemian Lager, Hofbrauerbach, Bavarian style Hefeweizen, and they're available year round. Doppelbach is available around the holidays. Price under six dollars a six pack. That's great for people outside of Pennsylvania, but in Pennsylvania you can't get them. Right. This we do have Trader Joe's here, right? There's one in. We have Trader Joe's here, but you can't distribute beer. beer in a grocery store. Yep. So very cool. Love to next time I'm out in California I'll have to check out the, the Trader Joe's. Absolutely. So this African man, it's 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 so flavorful and so different. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe. It's there's something nagging me in the back of my mind that this tastes like, but I can't pull it out. Just think cinnamon apple covered with caramel. Yeah. I mean, the cinnamon apple is very appropriate on this. It just tastes like hot strudel or something like yeah. that. You know, it's mm. it's very delicious. All right, so we'll go to our last beer now, which is in the fridge. You know, all these European beers, we decide to say, we'll see what an American can do. This is Anderson Valley's brother, David Double. Anderson Valley in Boonville, California. It has a wax cover on a, on a 750 milliliter bottle. And it's really screwing me up. Yeah, I had that problem when I had my... But a double that I got a while back. This is okay. So the other beers were seven percent, seven point five, and eight percent. It's American, so it's got to be more, right? It's nine percent, which is over the uh, the BJCP limit for the. Beer. And it's Anderson Valley. So how much you want to bet it's going to be hoppy? It's double. I'd, I don't know if I'd place <laughs> money on that one. <laughs> well, gentlemen's bet. We'll see. I think it's probably going to be. A, more hoppy than the other beers. Interesting. Interesting. This this could be very interesting because this could be kind of a, a bridge between the Bornum and the Afflicum. My first aroma, my primary uh, scent I was picking up was barley wine type flavor in the aroma. Because I'm getting kind of, all right, maltiness and sweetness. And a little bit of caramel, but not a lot of caramel. And maybe a little bit of, uh, of, of fruit, but not a lot of fruit. I'm getting caramel, alcohol. I mean, really, it smells a like a, a barley wine to me. This is a very dark beer. Back to being dark. Okay, you're right. It's a bit hoppy. Oh, it's oxidized as hell. Yeah. I've had it too long. It's really oxidized. Mm. It is. It's also hoppy. <laughs> It's, it's got a lot of hops in it. Yeah, beer's not dated, but oh man, that is horribly oxidized. It's like, ah. Yeah. Cardboardy. Yep. Not as, not as dry. Yeah, you can't, you can't rate that. But again, it's hoppy. Mm-hmm. It's Anderson Valley, so I mean, that's what I expected. Okay, well, that means our rankings are going to be just three beers because we can't. In good faith, rank the other three. Or the right. other two, rather. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, 
Now, number well, you know, you know, it's weird because I thought my number one was going to be obvious, but I'm thinking about okay, think about style, think about how we go with the style. What are you looking for in a double? And See, I think I think I think the Alpha Gamma was close enough and so enjoyable that I don't really I don't think I can knock it for being off style or anything. It, it like was that. enjoyable, but it was also not quite what I expect from a double. Or maybe, uh, yeah, I, I gotta go. With I wouldn't say it was because it was off. so great. I mean, it was really enjoyable. I really, I, I loved the hell out of it. I thought it was a great beer. So, all right, I'm gonna go and say Afflecum number one, and then number two. Two is a toughie. Two is a toughie, but I'm gonna go with Bornum number two. I thought I was gonna put Coors and Dog ahead of it, but then the the, the freeness of the Bornum really kind of oh yeah, me. the cherry yeah. Uh, and then I put the course and knock number three because course and knock was great. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love doubles. It's just a great style. Yeah. See, the the Bornum is I'm a little bit torn on because when it was the cherry at the beginning, I thought it was good. When it turned into a what I thought was a porter later on, I'd have to rank the course and knock higher than that. So I'm not sure which flavor I rank on. And if I, I if I merge the two, so then this is I'm the course and them with the Bornum dunk. Not sure how it uh, compares because there's I mean, there's definitely two distinct flavors well, I got from the Bornum. Then I think you should go with how you feel in the sense that the Corson Donk was was straightforward and it didn't change. And right. the Bornum, you know, only half the beer you liked. Okay. All right. So I will we'll put the uh, Corson Donk number two and the Bornum number three. And listeners will note how I'm subtly manipulating Jeff slowly yes. but surely. All right, so do we have any more news that we want to go through before we wrap up? Um, no, not really. There's an email from uh, Jeff from Australia who we, we mentioned earlier, who uh, also talked about the pronunciation of the W in Hefeweizen, who says he thinks there's regional variation throughout Germany, as most of the southern Germans I have encountered pronounce the W as a soft V, Hefeweizen. But he also says that most Germans I come across pronounce it more like Hefe, not Hefe. Right. Hey, for Weitz. So. Not Hey, for Can I get a Heffy Weitzen, please? Heffy Weitzen, everybody? Heffy Weitzen. Well, I hope that this time we have my ending for the show because uh, you I'll, never use that. That's because it's not on my laptop. I'll make sure I put it on my laptop. Maybe. Yeah, I'll seriously. Try. I think that our, Actually, our fans like to listen to, to me giving the ending. Okay. I'll so make, do I. Make sure I have it. If not, I'll have you record it again. This will be the third <laughs> time you have to record it. I think I have it, but I haven't seen it lately. That's all for Crowdfunding Radio. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. See ya. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Everybody loves the stars, we've been in a lot We will find